0: Hello and welcome to the first ever episode 8 of the virtual pub. I'm Jason England and we can't go to the pub right now, so where are we going to bring the pub?
1: To To you. you.
2: To
0: you. Nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. This is the perfect podcast for those who miss going to the pub in this particular pandemic. Picking pricks, sharing some good news, and rounding things off with a pub quiz, all while having a couple of pints. Now, this show is going to sound a little bit different because we have two different people with us. Dolby and Lindsay aren't able to join, with us. join us this week and we hope you guys get better soon. And we will just go around and introduce everybody. So, we will start with Moody. How's your week been and what are you drinking, mate? Uh,
3: I'm good, mate. Yeah? Uh, yeah, been a good week. Um, I'm currently drinking, I've, I'm pushing this to the limits now, um, I'm currently drinking a Carpentier Brew Champagne.
0: Ooh. Ooh! somebody's going big uh, time. Yeah, well, we're
3: celebrating. Um, my girlfriend Fiona was offered a new job today, so really pleased for her. Um, sounds Ooh. like an absolutely brilliant opportunity for her at a, uh, a new school. So, yeah, we've been uh, just having a bit of a, a celebration impromptu. Um, literally had the after- the interview this afternoon and has been offered the job later in the afternoon. So really, really pleased for her. And suffice to say, she's absolutely buzzing
4: nice
3: Yes. yeah Yeah, other than that um yep been a good week um bit weird getting up on Sunday morning and going to work and suddenly realizing it was about 20 degrees cooler than it was the previous day I said it was like um (laughs) you, 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 you know when you go on holiday to somewhere really hot and then you get off the plane at Heathrow or Gatwick or Luton or wherever and it's like 13 or 14 degrees in the uk which is you know, not not actually a bad temperature but yeah. it feels absolutely fucking freezing because you've been so accustomed to being in the warm um, and it was absolutely like that on sunday it was really weird we were literally getting sunburned in the garden the day before and then i was shivering shivering to death on sunday uh but yeah but it's been yeah been a good week um obviously still out and about with uh, work um most days um, we actually, I I've, I've usually gloss over this and I don't really talk about the things we've been doing media wise, but we have binged um, a, a series in the last two nights, uh, ten episodes, and probably totals around about five hours. Um, and I didn't, I literally didn't know anything about it until I was just scrolling through Prime Video and I clicked on the link on a whim. And it's yeah. a series called Upload. and it landed oh. on streaming services beginning of the month and the reason that we started on it um was that it's written by Greg Daniels who wrote who basically co-wrote The Office and um Parks and Rec and he's regularly involved with Saturday Night Live and stuff like that yeah so I just thought oh it'll be a pretty easy thing to watch and it's so strange but it's really compelling so basically that i kind of describe it in a nutshell. Um, and everybody listen for the p- for the moment at which Jay just suddenly sprints away from this podcast to go and start watching it, and you'll see what I mean in a minute. <laughs> so it's set in the year 2033, and the idea is that you can choose when you're, like, ill or something, or you're about to die, you can choose, rather than just dying, to be uploaded into, like, a digital life. So there's parallels with, if any of you have seen the film Ready Player One, like that whole yes. Oasis thing in that film it's a kind of similar idea that you live in this digital world but the the focus of the story is the fact that it's a digital world but then the company that owns it you they're kind of managed by real people who live in the real world and those real people can communicate with the digital people who no longer exist in real life. Um so it kind of focuses massively on the relationship between the lead character and his human um, they call them angels the, the the lady that's kind of assigned to looking after him and their relationship as it develops and it's kind of a very light very friendly happy there's some really good comedy in it but then there's also this underlying story of a little bit of a of a murder mystery in it so it's a really interesting balance but it's also got some very very light hearted takes on you know what the what the tech world might look like in about 10-15 years time you know the idea of having a, a digital funeral where you can watch a funeral from a distance and and stuff like that so it was it's really good and we literally binged it in um in two nights and i'd recommend it to anyone
5: well
0: i'm definitely it's gonna just have doing... to delay the recording of this podcast for another yeah, two days yeah, like yeah. sorry i'm gonna have to go watch yeah, this
3: yeah, yeah.
5: Sounds like an episode of Black Mirror crossed with Veronica Mars.
3: Yeah, there are a lot of parallels with some of the Black Mirror <laughs> stories. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it, yeah, we really enjoyed it.
0: Nice, nice. That sounds really good. And it is time to introduce you to one of our new faces. And that guy is called Leo. Leo, oh. how's your week Hello. been and what are you drinking?
4: Uh, yeah, it's been all right. I am... Um Currently shielding, like I have for the last seven or eight weeks, so I'm not going anywhere. Apart from today, when I went to the treatment centre at the QMC to have my infusion, mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons why I am shielding, which was a uh, was all right. I kind of had a bit of a wobble because again, I've not really been anywhere apart from a blood test last week, and I wasn't feeling too great, so I was worried that it might say, "Oh, you can't have it." Or, or whatever, and I had a mask on so that made me feel a bit claustrophobic, and yeah, but then, kind of, s- sat there and, you know, pulled myself together a bit, and obviously just watched what I normally watch while I'm having my infusion, which is, I I, I have, I make sure I kind of watch series while I'm having my infusion, because it takes about an hour and a half, so I queue some stuff up, so last, last four series I watched was Glow, I only watched it while I was having my infusions. And at the moment, I'm going through lock and key. So I'm just going to be watching Mm -hmm. that through that. And um, I'm I'm enjoying it at the moment. What I'm drinking, though, which is if any people that are on Twitch stream at the moment or who are listeners and may have uh, seen us on Saturday nights playing uh, car games is, well, it's half a pint now, but it was a pint of orange cordial from one of the uh, good brands because this was quite last minute and i have no alcohol in the house. <laughs> <laughs> so i'm getting very merry with this uh, you know best brand orange squash Oof. Are, are you are, are you saying that you're
3: trying to simulate the uh, style of being drunk by having undiluted cordial
4: Oh, no, no, no. I did once get asked to make my brother, this is when I was very ill, uh, you know, some cordial, and I didn't realise you had to dilute it, so gave him a tumbler full of just dilute, which, you know, didn't take him long to realise that there was no water in it, which was quite hilarious. (laughs) But I also, going back to what Moody said, I also was sat out when it was Friday for V-Day, on my state and in the lawn. I I gave myself that pleasure. But I did get sunburnt on my shoulders and then Sunday, you know, I'm sat around in a jumper with the heating on, which was it's culture shock, I'll give you that.
0: Yeah, as it would be. Thorpe, how's your week been and what are you drinking?
5: Our week's been good, same with the old me and Nina have decided to start watching Life on Mars because I've only ever seen it once and she's never seen it to this point, she didn't even really know who John Sim was, but she's absolutely loving it. <laughs> and at some point over the next few days, I'm going to get around, and I'm sure Greg will have something to say about this, is going to binge watch the series of Picard, because I've still not watched it.
0: Okay, okay. But-
5: Tonight, in no ironic way, I'm drinking a beer from Stuart Brewery called Small Giant, which is the last beer I have from my uh, little buying that I did last week. I haven't drank much this week, to be honest, which is quite a rarity for me in this lockdown. So, yeah.
0: So, now I introduce you to the second new guest of the show, Greg. How's your week been and what are you drinking, mate?
2: Uh, Hi there, guys. I'm all right. And my week's been absolutely lovely. I'm drinking Guinness. (laughs)
1: Oof.
2: Oof. <laughs> um, one of my pub manager friends decided to post a pint of guinness being poured and i thought that was the nicest looking thing i'd seen since i had been off so i bought a crate of guinness this week and uh <laughs> yeah i thought that that would be very nice to drink first thing i ever ever ordered in a pub um yeah i'm having a lovely week uh i've been Playing games, watching telly, walking the dog. Uh, Got a lovely dog called Loki, who looks like a wolf. Um, Part greyhound, part border collie. Very odd-looking dog, big white eyes.
1: Um,
2: He's cute, he's very nice, and uh, yeah, uh, he's been passing the time. Uh, uh, Read a good book about... Richard Edwards from Manic Street Preachers, who disappeared 25 years ago. That was quite interesting. been meaning to read that for some time. Now I have the time to do it. And uh, I've been enjoying myself, really. It's been uh, pretty good. And, uh, yeah, in, in for the long haul because, unfortunately, I run up home. <laughs> so, yeah. I'll be I'll be here for some time I think. But, uh yeah, thank thank you for inviting us on and uh yeah, nice to speak to you all. Yeah.
0: Greg, no. I
3: I think I think from everything you've said there there's a challenge I'm going to set you for this lockdown, which is if you've got a crate of Guinness, right? I'm assuming this is in cans. It is. so your challenge by the end of lockdown is to be able to pour a Guinness from a can and still get that really nice um clover Ooh. in the top.
2: <laughs> you know what that's a fantastic idea and <laughs> I'll, I'll find a way of doing that and i'll i'll try and get a video of that for uh one of these definitely yeah
0: <laughs> well what do you think to this whole um what was the thing that leaked to like i think it was like last week where it's like pub um, restrictions may be that people can only enjoy like three po- three pints at one particular pa- one particular place before being moved on because of like social distancing and lockdown laws and the first thing I was thinking was, like, I really need to buy myself a stack of, like, fake mustaches. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'd,
2: I'd, I'd probably hand them out, to be honest. <laughs> but we're going to struggle enough as it is without turning away uh, potential sales and people who have been that thirsty. They're not going to want three pints and go home, let's face it. And I, I, can't, I can't see it working. I can't see it being policed. And I've, I've got to be honest, it, it doesn't sound like the most practical way to run run a pub and i do think it will um i don't know it's it's quite it's quite a it's quite a a thing to put on people it's gonna it's gonna be like a smoking ban times a hundred they're talking about pubs opening with beer gardens only with table service with um one in one out and having, having some kind of where you stamp it and you've had your third pint and then you go home. It's taking an adult, telling you can't, telling him you can't bring children in, and then treating him like a child and telling him to go home. I I, I just don't I don't agree with it at all.
4: But well, I could turn it into a government-sponsored bar crawl. You know, you have three pints in one pub, <laughs> and everybody in the whole city moves around to the next pub next to it, and it's just like a massive kind of rotation. Everyone goes. They'd pool. also
3: get behind it because every trip between two different pubs would qualify as part of your unlimited exercise. So,
1: <laughs>
2: well, I I would imagine they'll they'll specify three drinks because not everyone drinks pints. So if they say three drinks, uh, I would probably serve the first one as a beer tower, which contains eight pints mm. in itself, which I think would be a sensible way to get round things. But I, I I don't even see how they're going to word it.
3: A Quad a quad vods night would suddenly become the absolute golden
2: ticket, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> great idea.
4: Pub serving drinks just in Steiner's.
2: So I'm going to open on Saturday night. Uh, my DJ's just started. And after three drinks,
4: I have to kick somebody out. It's, it's <laughs> going to be hell. <laughs> <laughs> what can have like in a death o- match? <laughs> winner stays on. Whoever loses <laughs> <refuses. laughs> you know gets kicked out
2: name name <laughs> name the song and you get a fourth pint or uh, it's ridiculous i'll have to stop a pub quiz after two rounds you know it's
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> don't offer them dessert after their meal they've had three drinks already you know it's just ridiculous
4: we <laughs> just fact. have to start putting more alcohol in food you know people ordering trifles that are just <laughs> 60% proof and <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm just going to have to put some code up, like, next to my coffee machine. I'll have latte, tea, and then I'll have a few invented ones, and I'll just make a few shorts for them so they can (laughs) have that with a cake. Yeah, it's ridiculous.
4: (laughs) I'll have the cake, please. (laughs) Yes. We all have a bit of cake here. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's going to turn into fucking prohibition chicago here from the ways you guys are talking about it
4: ridiculous i was in my i
2: was in my pub today and my beer pumps are actually getting cobwebs on them i i dust it's quite a sad sight. <laughs> yeah they will be back and people
3: will be there in their droves i think the week nice. the pubs reopen is going to be well i could i could very realistically see that they you know declare some sort of additional bank holiday and kind of encourage people to go out and celebrate and support the industry sort of
0: thing. Oh yeah, like the moment the lockdown is lifted, I will not survive that day.
3: (laughs) (laughs) How about you, Jay? How's your week been? What are you drinking?
0: Ah, yeah, my week's been all right, thanks. It's um you know when I'm trying to find something new to say for these and you just realise that your weeks are just kind of very, very similar and you don't really know how to like make it sound different um that's kind of my week like i've been busy working i've done a couple of things with my blog and my freelance work and that's about it um although today i did realize that it's um the third anniversary of when i made the power more sounds like crash bandicoot video and to explain this (laughs) to explain this for everybody um I used to have a bit of a thing three years ago on my new media Facebook page where every Saturday morning I would create a bit of a meme video. Many of them would just absolutely die on their ass. But this was the moment that paramore released their song hard times. And the beginning of that song sounds exactly like the beginning of a crash bandicoot level. So I literally just spent 10 minutes on a Saturday morning. I think, um, fucking CITV was on or something like that in the background. Um, yeah, I just Googled Crash Bandicoot green screen effects and it just green screened Crash Bandicoot over the top at the beginning of the Paramore music video and posted it. It just took me 10 minutes to make and 10 million views, 30,000 reactions later. And the most important part of this is the fact that later in the evening, Moody actually did send me a message saying, good job on the whole going viral thing, which is a personal sense of achievement for myself. and. The even sweeter bit is the fact that I got to tell the Daily Mail, The Sun, and the Lad Bible individually to fuck off after they asked me Wee. if they can use, if asked me for permission to use my video without wow. credits. And as for what I'm drinking, I have decided to take this shit seriously for once. I'm not drinking Budweiser and I'm not drinking cider. I've bought my A, A game and I've bought myself some bottles of ABK Hell Das Blue. Mm hmm the good shit and it was definitely my favorite after work pint when i'd go after work to the angel in town a because i really like the glassware and b it's really fucking tasty so i really
4: like it is that the one you put an orange in or that
0: no that's a uh, blue moon isn't it oh
4: yeah yeah that's that nice glasses as well
0: i can tell i've got old one. i'm like oh i really like the glassware on that oh <laughs> <laughs> have you stolen uh, any from the pub though Uh, I stole one from a pub in Cornwall. I really like the Rattler Cider Glasses and they charged about a fiver in the actual cider shop. So I just got Laura to like stick one in a handbag. That sounds familiar. (laughs) (laughs) Normally by this point, I will be saying, join us after the break as we pick a prick. But we're going to start straight in at the top. We have some particularly big news over here in the UK. And it surrounds our coronavirus lockdown. So at 7pm on Sunday, the 10th of May, if I can remember it properly, um, I'm giving the full date just in case you guys are listening to this at some point in the future. Uh, At 7pm, Boris came onto the airwaves and announced changes to the lockdown. And also a new slogan, which is stay alert, control the virus and save lives. Alongside a five-tier warning system, level five being critical, all the way down to there being no risk whatsoever, which is one. The changes to the lockdown are kind of vague. But his clarification was that stay alert still meant stay home as much as possible. So my question would be, why is it changed in the first place? Like, I get that some people are arguing this. Um, I did get into quite a bit of an angry Twitter fight over this saying it's all about using your common sense but if there's one thing that i've learned over the past few weeks of doing this podcast and finding the most ridiculous fucking news stories is that common sense is definitely a limited resource especially when politicians in your party can't get the story straight i already know that the the announcement has definitely impacted people's behavior like when i went to morrison's on tuesday like it was way more crowded like And the idea of social distancing definitely flew straight out the window.
3: Yeah, so we're recording this on Wednesday the 13th. And that is officially the first day that the new um, lighter restrictions, if you want to call them that, come into place. And uh, I've been working at Tesco's all day. So uh, as part of a normal full day, I'll walk through the shop at least four times um And you can see, not necessarily the shop being busy because they're doing quite a good job of controlling the numbers that come in to stop it becoming too busy. But the queue out is just huge, just absolutely incredible. How you know how many people will have used the fact that they are now able to leave the house freely in their own minds, or just go to Tesco's, even if they've got a queue for. I suspect at peak, some people were probably having to queue for well over half an hour to get into the store.
5: I went to the Tesco in uh, Nottingham City Centre, the one in Victoria Centre. People see, I think Boris had said this, people just took their brains out and were just doing whatever they wanted. Old bloke literally came up and stood next to me. and You just, you think to yourself, like, he said this. People have just taken it in whatever way they want.
1: Yeah. I mean,
3: I kind of alluded to it on last week's podcast, but I think, I think over the last few days and even prior to the announcement on Sunday a lot of people had kind of reached that breaking point of I've had enough of this and I've just decided to start doing what they want to do and for those people who had already decided they were going to go out and do what they wanted anyway Sunday's announcement in their own mind will be interpreted as a well now I can do it and there's no there's no repercussions You know, uh, I thought the bit in the announcement on Sunday night around we're going to increase fines for those who break the rules. Well, I don't really understand how you can even be accused of breaking the rules short of walking up to a stranger and spitting on them. You know, pretty much everything else, I think, is almost fair game. As as demonstrated by the ludicrous um, conversations that took place on Monday morning where, you know, if you, well, I was following somebody on Twitter who was kind of keeping abreast of all of the various media outlets that the government was speaking to so they were on radio 4 radio 5 itv bbc and across four or five different ministers no one no one could even agree how many of your parents you're allowed to see at the same time let alone how far apart you
4: have to be well matt hancock on monday changed what he was saying like in every press interview he did yeah he, he had no consistency whatsoever you know, a lot of people have memed up already, like, um, oh, what's his face? Old comedian. Wait, oh, least, uh, Matt Lucas. Lucas. Yeah, of course, Matt Lucas. Sorry, I get brain dead sometimes. But yeah, basically, he was just you know, saying opposites of whatever he was saying. And it, it, I mean, you could tell Boris had had some coaching before doing He also had an auto cue, which helps because we know how much of a persistent rambler he can be. But even though he was more trained, it still had no substance to it. You know, they gave us, as people have uh, marked it, the Nando's five phases guide. Yeah, we've got to go
0: down to lemon and herb. Yeah,
4: you know, <laughs> and like you know, R plus infections equals you know all this stuff, and then the R rate is somewhere between zero point five and 0.9 and 1 is what we don't want so where are we at the moment is it more close to 0.9 I mean today there was over the last 24 hours 494 deaths and everyone's saying that's good because it's down from 627 that recorded yesterday or confirmed yesterday but it's still nearly 500 I think these restrictions should have been phased in when we were down to 100 or less a day from COVID. I tweeted BBC breaking news.
2: I've 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 seen a lot of things about this, and um, you know, I'm not ashamed to say I do watch this morning, and occasionally if I uh, get up in time these days, I do watch Morning Britain. And it, it, there's been so many different interpretations of what this is meant to be that it's it's just becoming a little bit of a little bit of a joke now. Um, and everyone's so fixated on these, these these new rules and and how misleading they might be. And I, I, I don't particularly understand their reason for changing them other than that they kind of want to maybe even pass the buck a tiny bit and and give people an inch and see if they take a mile, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, that, well, yeah. And, and... Yeah, so I, I
3: listened to the, the speech on Sunday night on the radio because I was working at the time, so I had the radio on in the van. And I heard it, and it, it left me with an uneasy feeling. I kind of read from the various leaks earlier in the day what the majority of the content was going to be, so it didn't really come as a surprise. And I just I couldn't quite put into words what I was thinking. I was struggling to kind of get it straight in my own head. And then I saw a link on uh, Monday morning, to an article that was written uh, by a chap named John Alexander, who uh, works for a uh, a think tank consultancy called the New Citizenship Project, and he just put into words exactly what I was thinking, and just did it so much more efficiently than than I could. So I'll I'll just share with you a little bit of the the document that, that or the the piece that he put together, and his explanation for why the government have changed the messaging is that it it shifts it from what what he refers to as a subject story to what is what he calls a consumer story so the idea of the subject story um is that you know COVID 19 is the subject it's 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 more akin to a war we've got something we all need to focus on and fight and we've got to group together and government will guide us um on how to best combat the enemy but because that's not working and everyone was already breaking the lockdown rules even before the change you kind of shift it, and, and he describes it as a consumer story. And I just think this explains it better than I could, um, which is that COVID-19 will now become an inconvenient hindrance to our lives, but one that each of us needs to take personal responsibility for dealing with and getting back to normal as best we can. In this story, government steps back and gets out of the way because people are best looked at, left to look out for themselves. We are individuals. There is no such thing as society. The dark corollary, of course, is that if you get the disease, it will be your fault because you will have not stayed sufficiently alert. And the reason that's clever is because it sets a trap. So if the Labour Party, of Starmer, uh, the Lib Dems and uh, Davy and so forth take the bait and cry out that the message should not change, that government should should be telling us what to do, then they will look like the elite who have no faith in the people of Britain. Johnson and his minions will say we respect the British people and you do not. This will be a frame that will easily stick because in Brexit Britain, it's already in place. And I thought that just absolutely nails what the uneasiness I felt, which is that basically what government are doing. And I think Greg, you you alluded to it there. They're stepping back. They're saying we trust you, the British people, to make the right decisions. And anyone who is seen to be opposing that is you know, the sort of uh, re- remain a traitor that has been portrayed so much in, in politics over the last couple of years. But it, but it also misses, for me, the wider point, which is it is inevitable in this situation that lots of people won't make the right choices. And how much danger does that put other people in? And that's why I feel so uneasy about the changes.
0: That's exactly what I was feeling as well. It made me very nervous the way that he was wording it and the way that it wasn't necessarily about all of us in this together it's about we are we are easing these restrictions it is now up to you to do your part and i know this is probably going to be a fucking tinfoil hat moment for me but like it's all this entire narrative is kind of changing quite dramatically to kind of fit what the tories really want to say about the situation which like for example, in Prime Minister's questions today, um, Keir Starmer brought up the fact that they've stopped publishing like international comparison data. Mm. And I get that there's certain holes in like some places track the data differently to other places, but that graph has been in there for seven weeks. And now conveniently they've just removed it and they've also changed the narrative around the lockdown rules so that people have more freedom to do so, to do what they want, but they trust that they have the common sense, which, as I said earlier, common sense is a very limited resource around the British public, to actually use their logic and ensure they don't break those rules and start spreading it again. And it's causing that... It definitely caused that kind of worry for me, like you said. We've seen. Has everyone seen that? Posts flying
5: around on Facebook about the uh, the mass gathering this Saturday at Woolham Park and on the forest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's been floated That only, that's they they announced the new rules on Sunday. That was out on Tuesday day. Tuesday day around two o'clock. That took less than four hours for them to or- for the nutcases to already have organised mass gathering and in, in what was originally one place is now seeming to be in two places because it's all, it's at woolen and on the forest rack as well right what what the fuck's going on so what they've essentially
3: it, it is essentially I'll, I'll fill in the gap while ben's looking for it it's basically the sort of conspiracy theorist message that you know, we're not going to be tell, told we can we should stay at home. We're just all going to gather, and they've chosen Wollaton Park as their uh, location. The exact poster says, "UK mass gathering, Nottingham,
5: Wollaton Park, and Forest Rec Ground, Saturday the sixteenth of May, twenty twenty, at twelve p.m. Join the UK Freedom Movement and be a part of the largest mass gathering since the lockdown." We say no to the coronavirus bill, no to mandatory vaccines, no to the new normal, and no to the unlawful lockdown. Bring a picnic, some music, and let's have some fun and say yes to life.
0: Fucking hell. They're going to absolutely hate the fact that there's a 5G tower near Wollaton Park. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. These
5: are the types of people that are going to end up getting us back
0: into full lockdown. Yeah, and let me just put a cap on this and just say, like, Obviously, when we're talking about all of these idiots, this is not the majority of the public, is it? It's not everybody's doing this. It's kind of like a class that you used to be in, in primary school, where you'll get held back for lunchtime. And the reason why, it's not because of the entire class, it's because of that one little shit in the background that just drew on the wall and ate some glue. And it's just like, it's going to be the small minority that will fuck it up for us if they do. But I'm hoping that... Common sense prevails and, and that and, people and, do follow as well.
3: And I think within that, that is kind of when you look at everything, what the government is trying to pitch. If you want to try, if you, know, if you come at it from the view of wanting to give them credit, that's what they're almost trying to get across, which is. It doesn't take many people doing this badly to cause a lot of damage. So everyone needs to be really, really careful and considerate of one another. I did take the time on Monday to read through the 55 odd page document because I don't work Mondays. I've got too much free time. And and actually, from a from an impartial standpoint, everything that's written makes sense there's nothing in it that you look at and you go well that's just that's fundamentally ridiculous but the whole thing is kind of written in such a way that you look at it and you go well if everybody does that it'll be great but there's absolutely no way that everyone's going to do it and if people decide not to do it that's really dangerous and that that I think is kind of uh, I suppose that's quite a little uh, quite a good summary of what we've talked about is that we're discussing these changes that have been made and it's kind of saying yeah the changes are great as long as everybody does them but what we're talking about here is looser restrictions when the previous restrictions weren't abided by so as soon as they loosen the restrictions loads of people are going to say oh well that means I don't have to worry about anything
0: yeah yeah yeah,
3: And the thing that really frustrated me, and I'm going to pick up on the com- on the comments that were made on Sunday night, is that, uh, and uh, forgive me, it might be Leo talked about it, you know, made this comment of, oh, well, the R figure is currently somewhere between 0.5 and 0.9. And if it rises, we won't hesitate to put the lockdown back in. Well, two things on that. Firstly where is it between 0.5 and 0.9? I know you can't put an exact figure on it, and I appreciate it it's different in different areas, but that's a pretty fucking big range when you talk about what the overall um, illness or mortality rates would be uh, for a disease with with an R of 0.5 versus an R of 0.9. The other thing is you are announcing there that the restrictions are going to be lifted well as soon as you lift the restrictions the figure will go up that is guaranteed because the transmission rate will increase so you can't just say if it goes up i'll put the lockdown back in because what you're basically then saying is the lockdown will be back in in a bit there's no guidance on how much it's got to go up does it have to go up to 1.5 again does it have to go up to three again where it was when this all began and that was the bit that I got really quite annoyed about because I think it was essentially an admission that we're going to do this and we're going to see how bad it gets and then we're going to make a decision as to whether we need to whether we need to manage it again yeah and I I think it's dishonest that they're they're badging it up in in a different way because I
0: think realistically that's what they're trying to do exactly I mean to put a more realistic badge on it and feel free to disagree with me They're essentially trying to do the impossible. They're trying to cut infections while also letting more people out the homes. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, that is just an illogical fallacy. Like that will not work on either side of that situation. Like, and if there's one simple piece of advice that I can give to you right now, and obviously you've probably seen all the, rules yourself but do go and get yourself educated and do have a read but really what you should be doing is exactly the same as what you're doing right now which is to stay at home and that will save lives and we should all get out this quicker if you do you are listening to the virtual pub and that was our top news segment for the week and we're going to change up the format a little bit we're going to put nottingham and signed right now as we have an interview with the amazing artist behind the song, so enjoy.
3: So it's Nottingham Unsigned here on the Virtual Pub and we're here today with Jed, James and Chase from Forever in the Making. How's it going guys? Are you Hello, all right? Welcome. Hi. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, we just thought it'd be good to get together and, and have a chat a bit with you guys a bit. Um, we're obviously doing our our podcast because we can't go to the pub and obviously you guys are probably in a position where you can't be playing gigs at the moment so uh, what are you guys up to at the moment
6: uh, any anything that you're doing to uh, to fill the time well i think because we can't play any gigs and, and uh, unfortunately we did actually have a gig lined up that was supposed to be sort of like our first one with chase that's had to now be cancelled so that sort of like big showcase has had to be pushed back um so it's just a case of writing recording little demos um that you know that all that kind of stuff just keeping active on social media um to try and keep interacting with people because we can't do it in person sure um,
3: how have you found it in terms of obviously some artists say that you know they kind of really hunker down to to, to get the uh, new material out and some people say it comes from playing gigs where are you guys out on that are you finding it easier or harder to write more
2: I think it's a lot harder, um, just because we're not together. We normally write as like a, a unit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I bought a new drum kit, so I could just like play about in my garage, um, you know, I sort of lose touch with it. Um, but I'm, I'm struggling. I think once we start getting stuff recorded and sending it around, so we can all listen. But it's just getting to that point.
7: Yeah. I'll
3: I was going to say, like, we have been doing stuff though, like, um, I know it has been, like, obviously more difficult than I'm obviously new, but um, from what I've gathered, we have been doing bits and bobs with what we can, but I know that me and Pasi have been passing stuff back and forth a little bit, um, but the problem is obviously me and Pasi are still working, so it's kind of getting the right time schedule <laughs> to actually find the time to actually do it. Yeah, and uh, and what what what's the plan as uh, as a band? Is it going to be trying to get gigs in for the, the moment the lockdown's lifted and the moment that venues are open, or are you are you going to sort of be waiting to see how things play out? I would I say yeah. Jen, go on. yeah, go on. Jim. I would,
2: I would say yeah. Like we're just gonna get Chase up to speed with everything. Like we pretty much left it, so Chase was all right at everything, but we want to get everything nice and polished you know we've got a couple of new songs in the um in the pipeline so i think as soon as we as soon as lockdowns lifted try and get as many gigs as we can nice
3: so we're going to play a song from you guys called end of watch and this is one that came out last year is it yeah mm,
6: year before maybe i think yeah year before oh
3: yeah it um,
1: was
6: yeah end of 2018 i can't remember the exact date but it was towards the, the end of 2018 cool and um is there is there any story behind that yeah how, how, how did that song come about it, it it's not it, it's nothing profound it's, it's actually the the lyrically um uh, the so stru- the, the lyrics are based on um a series of stephen king novels weirdly okay um, mr mercedes series um but there's nothing more to it than that it wasn't you know some profound moment it's just one of us Quite like the book, so <laughs> wanted to write a wanted to write a song sort of loosely based on on the story of the of the those books.
3: That's cool. That's cool. And uh, and one final question for you guys then. So uh, obviously, I think we're all kicking our heels a bit and waiting for uh, waiting to be able to go out, go to clubs, play gigs, all of that sort of thing. But away from that, what's the one thing, the day that we're allowed to? Go out and do things again. What's the thing you're most looking forward to getting out and doing when uh, when the lockdown's lifted?
2: Getting absolutely sma- smashed. <laughs> I'm just going to go out and just hit a pub and just, just, just see what happens.
3: Well, I think we'll definitely be joining you on that because uh, I think we're all feeling the same way. So, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll enjoy a beer while we're listening to this from Forever in the Making called End of Watch.
0: Hello, it's the host Jason England, and much like you would be supporting your local pub if we're allowed outside, we need your help supporting the virtual pub. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please do subscribe to the show and give us a five-star rating. It will help us so much more than you could possibly imagine. And if you're listening to us from any other podcast service like Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Radio Public basically wherever else on the internet you can find us then do go ahead and support us on there with a follow a subscribe whatever the interaction is on there and share the show with your friends and family we want to get this in front of as many people as possible because none of us can go to the pub right now and we want to do our best to bring the pub to as many of you as possible and that's enough for me enjoy the rest of the show Welcome back, and it is time to pick a prick. It's time, time, time to pick a prick. Pick a prick. In this segment, we have a good old bitch about the biggest dicks of the week in the news, and I get to kick off this week with a segment within a segment. Let's call it a segception. As I try my best. <laughs> <and> terrible. <laughs> it's <that shit>. mm. <laughs> I introduce another segment within this segment called Fuck the Daily Mail. If there's one thing we can all agree, it's Fuck the Daily Mail. For my prick, I'm going to pick Dan Hodges, who is a political okay. commentator for The Mail on Sunday. I've picked in because he's tried to play quite the grand, I would say, Jedi mind trick, um, like a Sith mind trick on us, attempting to convince us that we do not have the worst COVID-19 death rate in Europe and condemning the left for politicizing it. So this all comes from a story that he posted, quite literally called, we don't have the worst COVID-19 death toll in Europe so why are the British nihilists pretending we do? I won't waste your time by running through these 2,000 words of poorly written bollocks. It's very chunky and he really really needs to learn to streamline his points. The two key points that he makes is that population sizes are not taken into account which the UK population is slightly larger than both Spain and Italy which is fair play and the numbers counted do not take into account like the deaths per 1,000. And it's just these very specific points that he tries to make to get around the fact that, yes, the UK does have the highest number of deaths in Europe. And I don't know why he tried to get get around that. Like, it's just fucking ridiculous. And he then goes on, as any classic commentator will do, to make it a bigger point about how he feels that the left have just been absolutely terrible in every single way to try and politicize the situation. He critiques how the lefties thought that the UK will be Italy in a fortnight, which to be fair, he's got a point there. This is probably the one and the time that I'll agree with Dan. Like I saw a lot of people on my Twitter talking about how the NHS will be absolutely overrun and it will be horrendous, but credit to their incredible work credit to the doctors and nurses, the people that I know who work in the NHS as well. They have managed to subdue that and they've managed to make sure the NHS is not overrun. But this is avoiding all the bigger issues that the government was too late to react to this. They still have issues with the PPE. The 400,000 items which Dan spoke so lovingly about that came over from Turkey is not good enough for a fucking hospital. So there's... A lot of stuff that we will all agree and disagree over, but this is just fucking political propaganda at its absolute worst.
3: It's just standard for these sorts of quote-unquote journalists to just put their point across for long enough in the hope that people will either just get bored of reading it and so assume that they must be right, or just trust that so many, of you know, within... Within the article, there's so many little factoids and false things that everyone is probably latched onto by lots of different people, and and that gets the that's get gets the point into other people's heads, doesn't it? It's just it's just so frustrating, and as you quite rightly say, it misses the wider point, which is everything was done too late anyway, so it it was inevitable that we were going to have a a huge fatality rate and the steps that were taken meant that we only had a huge fatality rate rather than absolutely gargantuan fatality rate for somebody who's taken the time to write a mammoth article which is basically summarized by saying I'm annoyed at all the dick waving around who's got the biggest number of deaths because that's not right he sure does spend a lot of time trying to do some dick waving around how it's not as bad as everybody thinks and here's all my evidence it, the, the, the guy's just a hypocrite he 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 really is I'm, I'm, i mean i know we're in fuck the daily mail so this shouldn't be news to anyone but
0: it's <laughs> just yeah and the hypocrisy to round off my fuck the daily mail bit within his own paper is absolutely hilarious. That he wrote about this, he has his like column slot that he uses every Saturday or Sunday usually. Um so he posted it out on the Sunday. And then five days before the Daily Mail posted the headline UK now has Europe's highest death rate. So if he's disagreeing with his own fucking paper, then yeah, go for it. But yeah, yeah. It's
4: it's like those, you know, you, you know, international European comparison slides. For a while the government using them to tell a narrative that look at us, you know, the curve is not as bad as England and Italy and Spain, but soon it was worse, and then the slides disappear. Oh, and then they know people will just forget about them. The people that weren't really invested in it, unless obviously people like Keir Starmer and other journalists are now bringing it up. That where have they gone?
0: Speaking of, it's now your turn, Leo. Pick yeah. a prick.
4: Well, I was, as you all know, brought into this quite last minute and I was having a look. I I didn't want to make it anything COVID related in both. I've somehow made it both local as well. And today a butcher in Beeston came to his shop to see it daubed with uh, lots of anti-meat graffiti and slurs and so on. I think it's it's not it's not, not 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 that it's not the time for it, but I think when it comes to the ideology of veganism, there there should be a better way of trying to change people's perceptions on it. Yeah, not, I obviously, don't want to go into it all. Totally, there is many ways that you can have a conversation and. People are allowed to change their mind about many things, and it does come up with a lot of education.
3: I, I always look at it through the point of view, right, of, as, as you quite rightly say, just within the context of this conversation, put the, the vegetarian-vegan debate to one side, because that's a long debate, mm. um, and rightly so. But I can't imagine that anyone has walked along Eastern High Street being the front of that butchers with, you know, what does it say? Murderer, meat equals murder, and kill butchers, which you know I think is yeah. is is a very very strong statement. And they, I can't imagine anyone's looked at that and gone, hmm. I know I eat meat, but now I've seen this, I'm seriously reconsidering my decision.
4: Exactly. It's, yeah. not, it's,
3: um... going, it's not going to influence anyone in a positive way. The only thing it's going to do. Is it going to cause people who do eat meat and have a negative view of vegetarians and vegans to harden their resolve in that viewpoint? Mm -hmm. So it only creates more anger and more malice. There's just there's just no positivity in this story.
0: Yeah, it's exactly what Leo said. Um, Mm. You can have these conversations better than writing fucking kill butchers on the front of somebody's butcher shop. Greg, why do you go ahead and pick us a prick?
2: Well uh I did mention these guys earlier, but um mine would be the UK Freedom Society, who seem to be planning mass gatherings in many places across the UK this Saturday. Um London, Southampton, Nottingham, Sheffield, Cardiff, Edinburgh, Plymouth um, to name a few. And uh, I, I just found the whole thing quite responsible, regardless of the politics involved and the fact that they don't want to be told that they can't exercise their right to socialize or 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 go and spend time with other people that we, we do have a, a virus spreading through country and and the rest of the world and and it's it's not a it's not a political thing it's it's a it's just disgraceful to be honest and um i i don't i'm quite worried about it as well i, I don't think the police have got um, a- adequate facilities to control mass gatherings at this point um from from what i've seen from tonight's uh, updates and uh yeah it was it was uh, just uh, just just disgraceful so any anybody listening if if this is nationwide worldwide would be just to just to delete them and uh, just just stay away from these things it, it's it's horrendous and and it's on our doorstep and it's in a, a very nice place where i i do actually take my dog it's it's, it's just awful we, we can't we can't we can't have that it's poor decision it's very inhumane and yeah. uh it, it, it did annoy me when i saw that a lot
3: i think i think it ties in we've talked before on this podcast about conspiracy theorists and 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 some of the stuff that that they've kind of come up with and i just think it's an extension of that i think it's people who who believe that everything that's happening at the moment is part of some wider plan that people don't know about and you know i don't think they're protesting they 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 might think they're protesting the lockdown but they're not they're pro- they're protesting government um there's clearly a a dog that agrees with that viewpoint um, <laughs> I agree with him it's this idea that there is you know a bigger force at play which as we as we discussed before if that was true how on earth would they be able to keep that quiet in this internet age but um yeah, I can only echo what you've said, Greg, if, if anyone has seen any of these events. Um, and I did actually do, um, maybe just worth mentioning that um, I've had a bit of a search through Facebook since we were talking about it a little bit earlier in the podcast. And it does look as though all of these events might have been deleted. I don't know if they were ever Facebook events, but if they were, they're not anymore. So hopefully you're you're not getting any Facebook invites. But I I think from just doing a bit of quick reading, it looks like they're circulating via WhatsApp. So. If you've got friends who are sending you these messages, just don't don't engage with it. Don't go to it. And, you know, if your friends are talking about going, point them in our direction. We'll have a conversation with
0: them or something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Moody, why don't you give us your prick? I'm going back to the well, guys.
3: So <laughs> last week I flew too close to the sun and I didn't die. I've still got my job. So I'm going to fly a bit closer and we're going to do it again and see if I'm still in gainful employment next week. So last week, for those that didn't listen, I told you the story of somebody who used their Tesco delivery slot, which is pretty difficult to get hold of at the moment because there's obviously so much demand to order uh, an order consisting entirely of 15 cans of beer. The day after we recorded this podcast uh, last week, I went out on a delivery shift and I did a delivery where somebody had used their delivery slot to order one bottle of champagne and 48 cans of Fever-Tree tonic and that was the whole order <laughs> and that put them into my first place of idiotic orders and it wasn't at that point that i decided i was going to mention them on the podcast this week when i decided i was going to mention them on the podcast this week was on sunday when i delivered to them again
1: same <laughs> <laughs> the now same,
3: this time bit. they at least ordered some fucking food. Was it some breadsticks? Could you maybe just maybe have combined those two orders into one?
4: Yeah. How did they do
3: in one week? I don't know. I know.
5: Boody, was it a full shop or was it like party food? Like, did they order breadsticks and some hummus?
3: Uh, I can't. You know what? I can't remember the um, the specifics of what they had ordered. I. I it... I think it was some essentials and some other stuff. I think there was more tonic water in the second second order as well, if memory serves. I might be wrong. But that's kind of beside the point, isn't it? I just... Just... Ah, why are... You know what? And I haven't even had this thought until I'm saying it right now. This is exactly why everything we talked about earlier, about the whole stay alert, people being considerate, isn't going to work, guys. Because some people are looking at this where nobody can get a fucking Tesco delivery slot and going, I know, we'll get one on Thursday for our champagne and, and mixers, and then we'll get another one on Sunday for the, uh, for the, for, for the, for the bread and the milk and the, and the, and the ham for the sandwiches.
0: <laughs> Moody, I do love your rich person voice. Oh, maybe I'll get this ordered on Thursday for jumping. (laughs)
3: Imagine the plot plot twist if it was Boris I was delivering to. (laughs) Anyway, I'm (laughs) going to keep this brief because I think if I talk about it anymore, there is some serious danger if anyone does listen to this that they're going to go, we're just going to ring Tesco and tell
0: them about what he's talking about and get him sacked. Simply put, delivery slots are extremely limited. Let other people have them. Combine everything you need into one order. Don't be a dick. From somebody who doesn't work at Tesco, so don't fire me. Right. <laughs> Last but not least, Thorpe, pick a prick.
5: I want to take you to Belarus. Literally. Right, I, you I feel like we... I'm there already. Um, are we, we going to go and
3: get drunk? <laughs>
5: so we're going to have, vod- have vodka. sit in a sauna, but that's for after I've told you the start of the story. Let's So. Let's. Ooh, I'll just read you. I'll just read you the first two paragraphs, and it'll summarise the story for you. If Belarus was already in the grip of a public health crisis. Its president looks like hell bent on turning COVID-19 into a catastrophe country. In the defiance of the World Health Organization, Belarus went ahead with its military military parade on Saturday to commemorate the Allied victory over Nazi Germany in 1945, despite the pandemic. Uh, that sounds all well and good, but there was thousands of soldiers march past stands filled with people. Now, looking at the pictures of it, there's literally thousands of children and veterans sat there side by side with no social, no social, social distancing. Not many people wearing masks.
0: Yeah, you, you summed it up there in a nutshell, like... There seems to be like a fair few countries that really just do not take this seriously, and
4: U.S. being one of them.
0: U.S. being one of them, U.K. a little bit at the beginning, but they're now treating it a little bit better. Brazil is definitely a big one as well that's not taking it seriously at all, but Belarus as well, and it's like it's going to lead to a tragedy as big. As Belarus's president's hat, like it's going to be absolutely, <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be tragic.
1: Oh,
3: oh, you saw that as well, did you?
0: Yes, I did.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, geez, that's that. That is a power play. That is somebody <clears throat> compensating right there with a giant hat. You know what? The
5: I'm it's, it's, I'm going to
0: attempt to say this, know, but they,
5: they all, all wear that. that.
0: <laughs> the tiny dick club over at Belarus. <laughs> i
5: I've actually learned how to say his name as well. It's Alexander Lukashenko. Sounds like a fucking type of dance. But um, <laughs> during, to what, during the start of this, <laughs> all, all this, all this kicking off, he literally took part in an ice hockey game. And let me just find the quote. He went. He took part in an ice hockey match and said that declaring sport is the best antivirus remedy. And he said, it's better to die standing on your feet than it is to live on your knees. Just have some fucking common sense. <laughs> when when This was my favourite thing. You can just imagine it in the accent as well. When asked if there was anything that would stop him playing ice hockey, Mr Lukashenko replied, it is possible, but why? I don't understand. There are no viruses here. Do you see any of them flying around? I don't see oh. them too. <laughs> this is... This is a fridge. for Everyone, get in your fridge, crack open some Budweiser, and stay there until this is all blown
0: over. Forget the Winchester; it's the fridge. <laughs> this is this is why Boris Johnson put in that fucking "stay alert" messaging. Like you can't see it behind you, can you? You just gotta keep looking over your fucking shoulder just in case you might find
5: only, it. Fully, the COVID was so so inconsiderate. Because if they've done this towards Christmas, the plays at Christmas, the pantomimes would have been fucking hilarious. Stay alert. You'd have had the whole audience going, Covid, it's behind you.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jesus. And on that note, join us after the break as we get all of the anger out of our systems and we get into some good news. Welcome back. And we go into some good news. Now Moody did a hostile takeover of this precious segment of mine last week. And it turns out that he did a pretty good job. So we're going to keep this lightning round kind of format, and we're going to give everybody 60 seconds to give us their good news. So you get five minutes of wholesomeness and we kick off with myself. So in three, two, one, We kick off with the mayor of Flavortown, Guy Fieri, who has raised more than $20 million for restaurant workers affected by coronavirus. Now, I know this is just in America, and I know in the UK we have something quite different over here, but it's pretty amazing to see when people do go out their way to help support the hospitality industry, something that is going to be greatly affected by what is happening at the moment. He is partnering with the National Restaurant Association Educational Foundation, he announced in an interview with TMZ, and he has been raising money, $500 at a time, well, he's been raising money through $500 grants through newly created restaurant employee relief fund, and so far with these 40,000 grants, he's raised $21.5 million, and I know that based on that, I will be watching a lot more diners, drive-ins, and dives, because- A, that show is fucking awesome, and B, he's doing an amazing job for the economy. Bang on one minute. Jesus. Callum. Right. Leo, are you ready? I'm ready. In three, two, one, go.
4: Well, I don't know how many people know this, or the wider audience, but for the last 11 years, a pair of peregrine falcons have been nesting on the Newton Building, of Nottingham Trent University and every year they come and lay between uh, one to four eggs. This year they've laid three and this in the last week one of them has hatched so they have a a camera and they normally have two cameras but I think one's broken at the moment so you can just put it on in the background and just watch her basically she's been sitting on it quite a lot but uh yesterday I did see the dad bring up which looked like half a dead pigeon and it was just fascinating to watch her feeding the chick, and lots of noises. And it's just something nice to have on in the background. And hopefully the other two chicks will hatch. But, yeah, something, something nice to watch and just see nature a bit closer up when we can't at the moment in some aspects.
0: Let's keep the happiness going. Moody. It's
4: my turn. Jay, count me in.
0: Right. Three, two, one. Go. okay
3: so jose nunez romanese is a an aspiring teenage detective and he is the subject of my good news story this week because he walked up to an atm in his hometown of albuquerque new mexico and next to the atm there was a was a plastic bag and he inspected it and when he opened it he saw in his estimation sixty thousand dollars in twenty dollar bills this this kid is 13 i think at 13 years old now i know when i'm 13 years old if i find 60 grand in a bag i'm gonna be honest probably gonna take it home and stash it under my bed what did what did this kid do what did this kid do picked it up took it to the police station handed it in what a legend good kid. what an good absolute kid. champion when they, when the police looked through it, they realised that not all of them were twenty dollars bills. Quite a few of them were fifty dollars bills. So they actually worked out that the total value of the money in the bag was one hundred and thirty-five thousand <laughs> dollars.
0: Good kid. It's, Good it's, this American kid's kid. been.
3: Uh, so they they held a ceremony for him at the police academy. They gave him an award. And I, I, well, I think it's pretty easy to say he's just pretty much made himself up to for a job there, hasn't he? He's done the writing, and he's probably already going to be on an apprenticeship with him and will probably be, have a job there for as long as he wants, as long as he's actually good at being a detective once he's done the training. <laughs> nice. But yeah, what, what, what a champ. I just like champ. read through it, and yeah.
0: And last but not least, Greg, are you ready? Am. Um, In three, two, one, go.
2: Okay, so uh, my good news story is on the theme of animals um, going back out into the wild and specifically seagulls um, who have flocked onto the Roman streets to rediscover their wild side. And they seem to have grown teeth because not only are they eating the scraps of what was left, but now they're actually hunting for themselves. So they're turning into hunters again and they are specifically uh, yellow-legged gulls. They're eating animals. Italy have been on their lockdown since the 9th of March and um, yeah it's just I suppose it's good news that the animals are now becoming more dependent on themselves and not on us.
3: So. Wasn't there that town in Wales where all the goats just, were just running amok in the town? Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> <Aww. laughs> Nice, nice. Join us after the break as we get into the pub quiz. Back and we move into the pub quiz. Now, normally Dolby will be hosting this, and as we selected in the previous episode, Lindsay selected a Jurassic Park quiz, and it turns out that we know absolutely fuck all about Jurassic Park beyond the fact that Malcolm is an incredibly handsome character and dinosaurs are terrifying. So we're going to go ahead. And do a general TV quiz, if that's all right with you guys. Yeah, go for it. Cracking. So, go on. 10 questions, um, same as normal. The rules are that if you know the answer, say your name, and I will go to, you, go to whoever said the name first. And if you get it wrong, you are eliminated from that round, and you cannot answer again. Are we all ready?
4: Yes. Question number one.
0: In what year did Channel Five launch in the UK?
4: Moody. Moody. Nineteen
0: ninety
3: seven.
0: Correct. It was nineteen ninety seven. Wow. How did you know that?
3: Spice girls.
5: I knew that as well.
0: (laughs) I'm sure (laughs) I was first. No, Moody said it first, mate. Yeah,
1: I heard
0: Moody first. Don't, don't be that spicy kind of guy, mate, at the pub quiz like, No, i else said it first? <laughs>
5: <laughs> don't say the, the question, Joe,
0: or else <laughs> I'll make any
5: Harry references.
0: <laughs> question number two. Of what is the sci-fi show Torchwood an anagram of? Leo. Leo? Doctor Who. Doctor Who is correct.
4: <laughs>
0: I thought I would just leave that to play out there.
4: <laughs>
0: Question number three. Which show is Frasier a spin-off from? Leo. Leo? Cheers. Cheers is correct. Woo! Leo.
4: Leo ahead with
0: two points. Question number four. What was the name of the tower block where Delboy and Ronnie Trotter lived? In only fools and horses, Greg, yeah, Greg,
2: Nelson Mandela House.
0: Ah, Nelson Mandela House is correct. Well done. So, the points so far Moody has one, Leo has two, Greg has one, and Thorpe is at the back with zero. Question number five Gillian Anderson plays a therapist. Rudy. Moody.
3: Sex education.
0: Sex education.
3: You didn't respond quickly enough to my shout, because if you'd not said therapist, I'd have said X-Files. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm happy you answered that, because I was going to say
0: X-Files. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Right. Question number six. And I'm curious to see how quickly people jump in here. What is the name of the fictional borough of Melbourne where Australian Soap Neighbours is set? Moody.
3: Erinsborough.
0: Erinsborough is correct. Yes. Jesus. Moody getting the lead there. On three points with Leo still at two, Greg at one, Thorpe still at zero. Question number 7. Eastenders began broadcasting on BBC in which year?
4: Leo. Leo. 1985.
0: Correct.
4: Nice. They're good.
0: Good stuff. Good stuff. So now we have a tie between Leo and Moody. Question number 8. Who is the longest-serving presenter of the BBC children's show Blue Peter?
4: Leo. Oh, Leo. I say Peter Purvis.
0: Incorrect.
1: Buh. Moody.
0: Moody.
3: John Noakes.
0: John Noakes is correct.
1: Yeah!
0: <laughs> Amazing one's well, that time, isn't it? <laughs> Question number nine. What is the name of Mackenzie Crook's character in The Office? Moody. Moody? Gareth, Gareth Keenan. Gareth Keenan is correct. Win the winner! So Moody has officially won the quiz already, but that doesn't mean Ooh. we can't play for pride. With question number 10. The six main stars of Friends appeared in all 236 episodes. Who is the next most regular character to appear in the show? Moody. Moody? Gunther. Gunther is correct. Yeah. <laughs>
5: so shall the... I knew I knew none of that fucking quiz.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd know the soap questions, mate. You talk about neighbours all the time. I would have done if you'd if I've had time to know
5: that that was coming. Do you know what I mean if the special <laughs> subjects has been neighbours? She's definitely going to be the next one when I win that quiz.
4: Yeah, well, we all had the same. Kind of time to find out about it, so I don't know fair, to close, <laughs> I'm
3: I'm in, I'm enjoying that in uh, in Lindsay's absence, Thorpe's really picked up the baton with that. With the yes. uh,
1: with
4: the <laughs>
1: outrage. Well, I'll tell you what. The first
5: two questions, the ones that I knew, the ones that I knew. Uh, I'm pretty sure Jay picked Moody and someone else in front of me. No, no, well we we'll have to, to go
0: back, yeah, and you'll see that Moody came first, mate.
2: I
5: blame it on my internet then, because it's a load of shite. And also, look, wow, G- a
0: sore loser blames his
2: tools,
5: mate. Wow. <laughs> also, <coughs> no point. Also, <coughs> also, <laughs> also <laughs> trying to Google Gillian Anderson and Blue Peter Longest. Google <laughs> Blue Peter Longest. <laughs> <laughs> I don't <laughs> know what the fuck you'll
0: get. <laughs>
4: It's Mick Foley tossing off all over again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. So, the final scores, if I even need to go over them again, Thorpe is at zero. Greg got himself a point. Leo got three points. And with six points, Moody is our winner of the quiz for this week. Would you like to make some kind of victory speech?
5: Only if you can
3: include. I'm I'm great. You all suck.
0: Great speech. Great. Great addition. (laughs) Um, We'll return to normal, picking the quiz for next week rules next week when we get everybody back together. And that is it for this episode of the virtual pub. Thank you all so much for taking the time out of your weeks to join us for this one. If you enjoyed it, please do go ahead and consider supporting us by giving us a subscribe and leaving a positive review on your podcast service of choice. And do follow us at VirtualPubPC on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can watch us record the Virtual Pub live when the tech actually works every Wednesday at 8 p.m. And you can listen to the audio version every Friday at work knockoff time, 5.30 p.m. And to play us out, we're gonna give another spotlight to Forever in the Making with their song, End of Watch. Take care guys, I'll see you in the next one. Bye.
4: Bye.